We're studying in the book of Galatians. So you take your Bible and you open it up to the book of Galatians. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture. All of it's interesting, but this here portion really kind of uh, is hard to, to grind on, you know, trying to, to chew. There's a few statements in here that uh, uh, makes it uh, very, uh, I guess, kind of hard to explain. Uh, but that's okay. We're going to give it a stab, and if we come out all right, well, fine. If we don't, well, y'all keep studying. <laughs> Remember, when you go to the Bible, always go with an attitude to listen and to learn. As much as possible to set aside any of your preconceived ideas or notions that sometimes um, we want to simply use the Scriptures to verify what we believe or what we think. And it may not be true at all. So then we begin to manipulate the Scriptures to make it say what we want. But if we could take our little brain and set it aside and only approach it, and let God say what He says and then just believe it. Uh, we would come out with so many more jewels, I believe. But here in the book of Galatians, I'll have to admit, there are a few places here that kind of gives me, um, it's like chewing on a gristle. You just can't get it all the way through, you know, and you just gnaw on it. But uh, hopefully we can uh, explain a few of these things and it'll make some sense to you. Look here in Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith with which worketh by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Now in this little portion of Scripture, you have to try to decide, are we talking here about the lost man or are we talking about the saved man? Are we talking about how a Christian, as Paul said he led him to the Lord, to believe that they are saved, and they have a problem with understanding salvation, or is it the Christian life that they're having trouble with? And uh, he says, you did run well, but now you're not running like you used to. Is it because they uh, don't understand how to serve the Lord? What is the problem, and what is the solution? Now, a little bit further on in the chapter, it talks about the two natures. See there in verse 16? Look at verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in this verse, when he says, This I say then. So this is referring to the, the old birth and the new birth. The old nature, the new nature. He's talking about how a Christian is supposed to live. Understanding the flesh and understanding the Spirit. But this portion of Scripture follows what we just read. And what we just read talks about falling from grace. Now, is it the lost man who rejects salvation by grace? Or is it the Christian who rejects living by grace? Well, it's interesting both ways. Because, see, 
If a man believes that you're saved by your works, then Christ profits nothing. If you believe you have to keep the works or the works of the law, well then for a lost man, it's impossible and it doesn't do you any good. And so if you look there in the, the last part of verse 2, Christ shall profit you nothing. And then if a man does want to keep the law to be saved, well, how much of the law must he keep? Well, verse 3 says he is a debtor to do how much of the law? The whole law. So if a lost man is seeking to be saved, well, then the Scriptures is still clear that you cannot save yourself. And if you put yourself under the law to say, I've got to live in such a way to merit it, to deserve and regardless of whatever those laws may be, the man-made laws or the God-given laws, but if you put yourself under the law, uh, then he says, you've got to keep all the law. And then how much of the law? All of it. For how long? Forever. All your life. And so that's why he says in chapter 3 and verse 10, uh, for you that want to keep the law, he says, you're under a curse. For cursed is the man that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And it wouldn't limit itself just to the, you know, the, the moral law of the Ten Commandments, but the ceremonial laws and the sacrificial laws. Boy, you really got your hands full. How do you separate all that stuff? So then that means you've got to go back to the Old Testament and study all the law and fulfill it all perfectly. Well, if it's for salvation, we know, well, that is false. Is that what these Galatians were now believing? Or did they believe that they had now, once they were saved, they had to keep their salvation by keeping the law? You know, now I've got to do this in order to keep my salvation. Well, if you do that, then what you're saying is you're not yet saved. So I've got to do this in order to be saved. So what you're saying is I am not yet saved. Well, then that doesn't make any sense. So there's people that were becoming troubled in their mind because it says in chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there'll be some that would trouble you and pervert, try to change the gospel of Christ. He said, but though man preach unto you any other gospel, even an angel, let him be a curse. Separate yourself from anybody that teaches any other message other than the salvation by grace and grace alone. So the Christians, people that knew the Lord, were getting messed up. And so some were thinking that they had to keep now the ceremonial laws. They had to do the sacrificial laws. They had to do the moral laws. They had to be circumcised to be saved. Because in first, the book of Acts in chapter 15 says this is what they were told. So now they're getting all balled up. So Paul says here, if you are seeking to be saved, look there in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, or you're seeking to be justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. Now, it's the lost man who sets grace aside and can't be saved, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. So, the lost man can't be saved by keeping the law, but neither can the Christian stay saved by keeping the law. Because, you see, if you put a lost man under that and say, this is what the lost man has to do, 
And then you say, well, for those who trust Christ as Savior, now you're saved by grace, but you're now under the law and Christ will give you the strength and the grace to keep the law, to help you perform for the rest of your life. And there's a multitude of churches that teach that. So they believe that the lost man has to keep the law, and now they're saying that, yeah, you're saved by grace, but you've got to keep the law to stay saved. And if you don't live it, then you lose it. Or it's a sign you never had it to begin with. And all that is in error. None of it's true. You're saved by grace, and you and I are supposed to live by grace. Remember this. A good way to understand it. The lost man in the flesh, God gave the law. The law was to govern the lost man. The man in the flesh to restrict him from doing what he would normally just do according to his old sinful nature. So there's consequences. And those consequences, like being stoned to death, might keep you from doing something you shouldn't do. But when you remove the consequences, then what's to constrain the old nature of man? So that's why in our world today we have people that are passing laws to remove the restraints, the consequences of doing it's not your fault. It's society's fault. Society is, is the reason why you're the way you are. So we're just going to set you free. But in setting you free, they have only made you a slave. But people can't get it. They don't understand. So look what he says here. He says in uh, verse 4, Ye are fallen from grace. If it's talking about a lost man, a man rejects salvation by grace. Remember I used an illustration, there's the water pipe, brings the water. Or by grace, the water pipe, are you saved, it brings the water. And so when you believe on Jesus Christ, see, you get the water, but it's by grace. You reject the water pipe by grace, you can't get the water. So there's people that are trying to save themselves by their works. That won't work. So, the believer, when he is saved, he is no longer under the curse of the law on the lost man. And that's because the lost man died. You see, when you die, the law can't touch you. Law cannot condemn a dead man. So when you believe Christ died and was buried and rose again for you, then you died and you were buried, and you came back from the dead. So God sees you as a new person, a person who has already died and paid for your sins. The law can't touch you. You're free from the law. Now you're a child of God, and you've been raised to walk in newness of life. Now this is how God wants us to live. We should live as though we don't even have a sinful nature. We should live like there's only the Lord, and I'm a child of God, and my new birth, and that's what I want. But see... If I didn't have an old sinful nature, I would automatically serve the Lord because I loved Him. Well, I wouldn't love the world. I wouldn't love the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life wouldn't be a problem to me because, see, I would only have the new birth and it has no corruptible seed. And so, therefore, I would just naturally serve. But, see, in reality, even though judicially... This is true. I still have this old man. And he just follows me everywhere I go. And he never leaves me alone. 
And so what I have to do is realize the new person is not under the law. The law was for the flesh, the first birth. Christ says, I am now under the law of love. I serve the Lord. I do whatever I do because I love the Lord. And so I live and serve by grace. God bestowed his love upon me. That was by grace. So now, as a child of God, he wants me to live this way. But if I, as a child of God, put myself back under the law, then what I'm saying is that I have chosen to live in the flesh. And to live in the flesh is to be under the condemnation of the law. So he says, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You've been set free from it. Don't go back under it. Mean, don't walk in the flesh. When you walk in the flesh, you place yourself back under the law. See, that's never been changed. Except judicially, when Christ died and paid for your sins. But you see, God did not destroy the law. He fulfilled the law. And so that's why he says in verse 16, there is this choice that you and I have. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 16 is the answer to verse 1. When he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Mean for you and I not to place ourselves back under the law. And how do you do that? By choosing to live in the flesh. Where it is... I, me, my, I will perform, I can do this. And we don't walk and trust the Lord to work through us. You'd be surprised how much we can do if we just yield to the Lord and let God do things. But we're always trying to sometimes manipulate God, and it won't work. So when he talks to the Christian, can a Christian fall from grace as a principle by which to live? Yes, he can. I can reject the love of God to motivate me to serve Him. And I can choose that I can do whatever I want according to how I think and place myself under the law so I can live according to my own rules and regulations. You'd be surprised how many people will tell you, you serve God your way and I'll serve God my way. But their way isn't God's way. But in their mind, their way of living is, they approved it. It's acceptable to them. Therefore, get off my back, leave me alone. I just don't live like you do. And I don't believe exactly like you do. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. If I'm doing it God's way and you're doing it God's way, how come we can't agree? Somebody's not doing it God's way. And so you have a battle that goes on in your Christian life. So the lost man can reject salvation by grace. A Christian, because this verse is here to the believer in falling from grace. And if a Christian rejects living for the Lord, because he loves the Lord, then he's going to find himself yielding to the flesh. And when you yield to the flesh, there's going to be certain consequences in your life. So what Paul said, he says, ye did run well. You knew this, you understood it, you ran well. But what happened? 
Where is this joy, this happiness? Where is this blessedness that you spake of? Well, some Judaizers came down here and told us that we have to do this and we have to do that. See, now, instead of coming to church because you love the Lord, you come to church because you have to. If, for example, let me give you an idea. We just finished vacation Bible school, right? I tried to do my dead level best not to make anybody do anything. But I tried to create an environment where everybody wanted to do something. Now, that's between them and God whether or not their motives is pure and right. I, I, I can't judge people's motives. I gave up on that a long time ago. But I was very pleased with how they yielded themselves. Those that worked in the kitchen, those that helped put up the wall pictures and all that stuff, and those that built the country store and all the items that had to be done. Somebody had to get the hay. And then we had our wonderful, beautiful, magnificent firehouse five. D did I make you come every night? Uh, Jim, back did I make you do that? Yeah, I had to make him do it. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to. I mean, why did anybody do it? Why did the teachers do it? The team captains that we had, I didn't make anybody do anything. Because they want to. It's a lot better way to serve the Lord. It's a lot better way to live than trying to make people do things. I can't, and I don't even try to make anybody do anything anymore. It just don't work. It puts pressure on a person, then they do it just to please you. All I'm saying, if you love the Lord, get involved. Do something. And uh, I think we had more people involved than we had kids. I don't know. But on the last night, I think we had between 130, 140, something like that. It was in there somewhere in that range. But we never did count. I, we did the night before, and it was about 133. And I think we had more this, the last night. But it was, it was good and well attended. And whether or not it's just uh, like Marianne over here working on the sound system. And, and, and then when Lee gets ready to do his thing and, and, and scaring all of us half to death with it. But, you know, but everybody has has a job. And some people were just kind of watching the uh, parking lot and making sure nobody came in here and, you know, did any harm to anybody and things like that. But all the different people. It's a lot easier and a lot better when people just love the Lord and everybody gets along. There's always a few little bumps in the road, but that's because we've got an old sinful nature and we don't think of everything. We don't work out everything in advance. And we have to deal with some problems as they come up. You can't always figure out everything that's going to happen. I wasn't even... Sure, how anything was going to happen. It's just that we just do it. Just do it. we got camp coming up now. That's our next big thing. And uh, I thought, I'm going to have to transport the whole Firehouse 5 over to the camp. How you, who's going to be in your Firehouse? I don't know and I don't care. We'll work it out as we go. You see, that, that's called faith. You can just trust the Lord with it down there. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about things. He says, that got anything to do with what we're talking about? Everything. This is what he's talking about. Where you can just, just trust the Lord. God, God, God's in charge. And you just learn how to, to walk with the Lord. See, there's probably times in your life when you did run well. Has there been times in your life when you didn't run so good? And the problems of life, and it seemed like somebody just stuck a, a cog in a wheel and won't roll. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the transmission gets shot. And uh, things just don't want to shift years like we used to. And uh, we get older. You know, whenever I was singing some of the songs in here for the adults, 
I put him in the kid D. But we had all the kids in here. What kid did I put it in? P of E. It's a little bit higher. I can do them a little bit faster and it's a little bit better for the kids. But as you get older, your voice gets lower. So I learn how to adjust. Like that's what a transmission does in your car. It adjusts. And there's times in your Christian life, you've got to learn how to adjust according to the speed. You can't always go the same speed all the time. Otherwise, you'll, you'll wear yourself out and you can't do it. Learn how to do what you can do. And learn how to trust the Lord and, and, and go with it. Now, when he says here, you're fallen from grace, you have rejected grace as a principle by which to serve the Lord. You see, grace, look up here, the flesh, the lost man, under the law. The new birth, under Christ. Law of love. This is because of what he hath done for me. This is because of what I have to do. And so, this is done and this is what i got to do. This is all based upon what Christ did. This is based upon what i got to do. And see, so you'll fail. You'll get burnt out. This is, this is burnout. i got a guy that just emailed me. He's ready to commit suicide. He's burnout. I've known him for about 35 years. And then on top of that, when I got a phone call from another guy who's going through it, and he, is, he, he used the same word, I'm burnout. He said, I'm thinking about committing suicide. Just in one week, two people. I led them both to the Lord years ago. Sometimes I wonder if they were my converts or God's. But people don't learn how to just walk with the Lord and trust Him. They place themselves back under the law. They start making unwise decisions, walking and living in the flesh. And whenever you do that, you get all tangled up in your mind. Get all balled up. And that's why he said, be not entangled again with this yoke of bondage. It's so much freedom to know that I can just, I can trust the Lord for anything and everything. I don't have to see how God's going to work everything out. He don't have to explain anything to me. I used to think God owes me an explanation. But I always say, why? 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 I have an inquiring mind. I want to know why you owe me. <laughs> Lord said, shut up. Have you ever told your kids, you just do it because I'm dad. I said so. Sometimes God says, because I said so. I gave you my word. You see, we think God has to explain everything to us before we obey him. That dog won't hunt. Now look what he says. In verse 7, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth or to keep running well? Remember, all of God's children would keep running well if they didn't listen to something that causes them not to run well. There's something wrong in a person's theology. You've got to learn what the Word of God says and believe it and hang on to it and just don't move. So he says, this persuasion cometh not of him that called you. In other words, this isn't from God. God didn't tell you to do this. God didn't put you back under the law. God says, my yoke is easy. It's just so hard to serve the Lord. Well, what yoke you got on? You got either a yoke of iron or his yoke is easy. So you can put your yoke of iron on and say it's just so burdensome. You don't want to live like that. That's why he says, don't get entangled with that. And the way you get entangled with the law is trying to be happy. 
to be pleased, to be blessed by walking in the flesh. So that's why he says in verse 16, this I say then, that word then, you ought to underline it because it refers to what's written before this. Talking to the believer. Is verse 1 talking to the believer? Yes. Is verse 16 talking to the believer? Yes. So then chances are what's written before it is talking to the believer. And then he talks about the battle that goes on in the flesh and the spirit. In verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Uh, but look up there uh, very quickly in, uh, in verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, we know that when you add just one work to the gospel, it destroys the gospel of grace. True? What if you added a little leaven, and leaven is a type of what in the Bible? Sin. That's why whenever we have communion, we have unleavened bread, so that there's no yeast in it, so that it doesn't rise because that takes time. They had unleavened bread because of the immediate preparation to leave. And that's why it was unleavened. They didn't want to take time for anything to rise, so they had to eat it without yeast, and yeast was a type of sin. So he says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now it's also mentioned in the book of Corinthians in chapter 5 about this word leaven and about the Passover. But what about in a Christian's life? Let's just suppose that you tolerate just a little sin in your life. Not much, just a little bit. Is it possible that just a little bit of leaven in your life, accepted, can it permeate your whole life? Sooner or later, that one little gate you left open, you can lose the whole herd. You can lose all of your virtue, all your character, through one little gate not guarded. So for a Christian, should you guard every area of your life? Every area of your life. What about your thought life? What about music that you listen to? Movies that you watch? Is it true you've got to watch everything? Man, it don't take much. Here he makes a statement. In verse 10, I have confidence in you. So he said over there in chapter 4, he says, I, uh, I stand in doubt of you, lest uh, Christ be formed in you again. And then up there in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, um, I'm afraid lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain, because they were not maturing in the Lord like they should. Now whether he questioned their salvation or not, I don't know. He might have, I don't know. But I do believe that uh, it's written to those that he believed were believers. And he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. In other words, he says, when I set you straight on this, I expect you're going to listen to what I'm telling you. That you're going to make whatever adjustments you need to make. I've got confidence in you. That's why I'm telling you this. Every time I preach, I am expecting people to have changes made in their life. I don't ask for decisions every week. If I've got a hundred people listening to me, I've got a hundred decisions every time I preach. Some are for it and some are against it, but I've got a hundred decisions. We had a vacation Bible school. How many trust the Lord? I don't know. But we gave the gospel. And everybody had chances and opportunities to trust Christ as Savior. Whenever you teach the Word of God, you're supposed to believe that God can take His Word and work His will. I've never saved a soul yet, and I probably won't start today. 
but I do like to be faithful in giving the gospel and explaining it, planting seeds. So he says, that you be not otherwise minded, but look at the last part of that, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. In other words, people were teaching the wrong things. He says, and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, he said, if I preach that, why am I being persecuted? I'm being persecuted because I don't preach that. So what, Paul? Didn't you preach that you had to be circumcised and keep the law to be saved? No. If I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. In other words, what causes Christians to be persecuted on the preaching of the cross? When you make the preaching of the gospel without works. If you preach by works, nobody bothers them. Because that's the message of the devil. The devil has his ministers. You preach eternal security and see but it's going to fly. Then you can be persecuted. Nobody bothers you and runs from you if you just simply preach what everybody else does and you just got to be good and behave yourself. And They expect that. Majority of lost people know that you've got to be good to go to heaven and bad you're going to hell. But it ain't true. Just tell me this by grace and grace alone. Well, you mean to tell me I can trust Christ as my Savior and live like I want and I get to go to heaven when I die? Yes! And see if they don't say something. I've even had Christians that dare not say something like that. Because, listen, you want them to understand it or not? I want them to really understand what I'm talking about. No, God will not cast you out. Somebody says, well, what about if I murdered somebody? I said, is that a sin? Yes, I paid what if you commit suicide? Because they know if you commit suicide, you can't ask for forgiveness for that. So now you go to hell. And I have done funerals for people who have committed suicide. And some of them, several that I've led to the Lord. I says, let me just settle something right here for you. Many people believe that when a person commits suicide, they can't ask forgiveness for that sin. So that means they don't get to go to heaven. I says, it's not true. I says, is suicide a sin? Yes, it is. How many sins did Christ pay for? Paid. Paid. If Christ paid for all my sins, then there's none left for me to pay for. Why I like that. Now look in verse 12. He says, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. Now whether he's talking about dead <laughs> or totally severed from you, and in the book of Galatians in chapter 1, uh, that they were accursed. Now, they have an accursed message. Can a Christian get to where they preach an accursed message? Yeah. But you and I, the Bible talks about in the book of Romans, he says, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and what? Avoid them. That's why you're not supposed to go to churches that have false teaching. Especially on the gospel. Especially on the gospel. I would like for you to believe that so strongly that if you get mad at the preacher, you still got to stay because there ain't no place to go. And you'd stay here just for the gospel's sake. I think that's a pretty good reason. And the Bible talks striving together for the sake of the gospel. Not for the sake of the carpet, of the padded pew, 
or because of our wonderful choir, but for the sake of the gospel. Think what Christians could accomplish in this world if they would get the chip off their shoulder and all God's people work together for the sake of the gospel. What we could do be awesome. But we get hung up on little things. You know the people try to make a mountain out of a molehill? You know what's the difference? Dirt. Just more dirt. Look what he says in verse 13. For lost people, you have been called unto liberty. Brethren. See, oh, I almost made the wrong word there. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the what? Flesh. I'm not making this up. This, talking about fallen grace, is talking about not walking in the flesh. But talking about walking in the Spirit. And so he says, if you walk in the flesh, then you're going to want to bring forth the works of the flesh. And the flesh is under the law. Don't get entangled with that. As a child of God, do I want God to bless me or to beat the tar out of me? That ought to be a no-brainer. Anybody ought to be able to figure that out. I realized a long time ago, if I serve the Lord, God is obligated by His Word. He has to bless me. Has He? Very much so. God has truly blessed me. And I know that. I know why. Because he said if I served him, he would honor me and he'd bless my, my life. But I also know that if I rebel against him, Katie bar the door, I have given him the opportunity to beat the tar out of me. And I would rather just serve the Lord and accept his will, whatever it might be. I don't care what it is. I don't care where he wants me to go, what he wants me to do, how long he wants me to live. I don't have to worry about it. Why? Because I'm in his hands. Now, fear enters when I'm not in his hands, when I'm not walking with him, when I'm not abiding with him. That's when the fears of the world overtake your soul. Because now you're afraid of growing old. Now you're afraid of how you're going to take care of yourself. Now you become afraid of people and death and you get afraid of jobs and money and fear. That's the flesh. And it plays games with your mind. That's where the worrying comes from. Fear. And he says, perfect love casteth out fear. Love that you know that he really loves you. Is that enough to carry you through? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And if you love the Lord, then you're walking in the Spirit. And you know that nothing can happen to you without God's approval. Isn't that good to know? That's what he says. Now look what he says as he warns. He says, do not use the liberty as a cloak of maliciousness or the liberty to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in the last part of verse 13 says, but by what? Love serve one another. Not the love is to become entangled with the flesh. It means the flesh is slowly making its um, a little leaven. Remember I mentioned, I preached a sermon one time on Amalek. Remember a sermon on Amalek? Remember I said, 
You may show mercy to Amalek, but Amalek will never show mercy to you. You may show a little mercy to that little bad thought or that little bad deed. It's not that bad. And you can accept it. And you watch. It'll grow and grow and grow. And a little leaven does what? Can permeate the whole loaf, your whole life. And then after a while, you'll lose direction. You'll lose something, but you don't know what happened. You don't even know how it happened. Because it deceives. So that's why in Galatians in chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not what? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Well, how do you mock God? Mocking sin. You can walk in the flesh, think whatever you want, and it won't matter. Everything matters. Now, do you want God's blessings upon your life? Your thought life will determine your physical life. If you don't like the way you're living, change the way you're thinking. Your actions are a byproduct of the way that you think. And the devil wants your mind. Guess who also wants your mind? The Lord. So he says, in the book of Romans, he makes this statement. He says, I beseech you therefore, men and brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or discover what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, um, the devil been working on your mind lately? He works on everybody. And he doesn't care how he stops you or ruins you. He tries to get you to question and doubt God and to live in fear. God failed you. God didn't come through. Whatever it takes... And all you know is you just smile and just say, God promise and God will fulfill. Remember that little poem that I wrote for my wife? We saw the rainbow through the rain. We saw the light within the night. They're not just words. It's a principle by how you live. And I decided years ago, I do not want to fall from the principle of grace in living for the Lord. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me, and this wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. Everyone here is a sinner, just like me. We're all sinners. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. All of us are in the same boat, for all have sin. All have come short of God's perfection. The wages of sin is death, and since every man sin, every man is condemned. And God wants every man to be saved and to go to heaven. So Christ died for all men. You see, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. So that's why no man can save himself. And so a man cannot do any good deeds to get to heaven because, you see, it can't be bought. We're already condemned to pay for what we've done. So a man has to be saved. This is Jesus Christ, God's Son. God chose His Son to come into the world because He had no sin. He was His righteous servant. He took all of our sins, the sins of the whole world, upon Himself. Came back from the dead. And God said that if, if we'll believe that He did it for us, God is bound by His Word. He has to save everyone who believes. Whosoever believeth. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God from the foundation of the world has predetermined to save all those that will believe. And all those that will not believe, God has predetermined they'll spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. Salvation is free. It's a gift. And it's whosoever believeth. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I have no axe to grind. I just want to preach the book. And I want you to understand that God loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. To pay for your sins. He said if you'll trust Him as your Savior, He'll give you eternal life as a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't buy it. And God says once He saves you, you're His child forever. He'll never cast you out, never lose you. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you understand the importance of telling people, getting them out under the sounds of the gospel. Let God use your power of influence in the lives of other people to get them under the sounds of the gospel. It's so important. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each person that's here to help them to understand that you have chosen them. They have been elected, anointed by you, call to serve you not to be saved but because we are saved and I pray Lord that each person here would respond to you correct anything in their life that needs to be corrected and they'll love you with all their heart in Christ's name we pray Amen